0: Welcome back to another episode of Athletic Insights. Athletic Insights is a resource for youth sports organizations, parents, coaches, and athletes looking to get a glimpse in behind the scenes of elite athletics and what that entails. We're joined here today by former Saint Francis Xavier X-Men, Chris Shibley. Chris, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good, Zach. Thanks for having me.
0: No, we really appreciate your time. So, for the for the listeners at home, um, when I was at Saint FX for just one year. Chris was one of the veterans on the team who, who I actually looked up to for his work ethic. And one of the things that I, I really admired about him is uh, Chris was also on the track team in the offseason to work on his speed. So that's something that I've actually taken and recommended to a lot of my, uh, the athletes I'm currently working, about, currently working with. Um, so, Chris, why don't you take a moment to just introduce yourself to the audience and, and if we could go over your youth sports experience. So what's, what sort of sports and, and how are you spending your time as a young athlete?
1: Sure. Uh, Well, just overall, uh, my name is Chris Shibley. I'm from just outside uh, Kingston, Ontario, is where I grew up. Uh, And I'm living here currently right now, although my my life is in a a little bit of flux, as I'm sure most people's are. Uh, I played for four years at St. FX, uh, defensive back there. Um, I did one year of semi-professional football over in Europe, over in Hungary. Uh, and then I went to Teachers College at uh, University of Ottawa, coached the defensive backs there for two years uh, before I moved out west to UBC and did uh, defensive backs and kind of like the, the lead defensive uh, assistant coach out there and then uh, for two years and then special teams coordinator for my, uh, my third and final year out there. Um, as far as my, my kind of youth upbringing, I, I feel like I'm – uh, I, I was pretty standard uh, upbringing. I, I played all kinds of different sports growing up. The first ones I got introduced to were probably, um, in, in terms of being a participant, were probably soccer and baseball. I, I, I lasted in baseball for all of one practice and decided it wasn't for me. Um, so yeah, I, I, I played soccer growing up. I played hockey um, quite competitively at the AAA level uh, until high school. Um, I ran track in high school. I was on the swim team. I was on the badminton team. Uh, I did pretty much anything, anything that was available in high school. I I tried my hand at, um, with varying degrees of success. Um, I, but yeah, from, from a very young age, I was kind of, um, not pushed into sports, but around them all the time. So that kind of felt like a natural transition. My dad, uh, and my mom were both, uh, high school coaches at the, uh, at the high school I went to, um, although they were retired by the time I got there. Dad was uh, football and track were his two big ones, and um, mom was basketball. So I was kind of always, even as a little youngster, running around the halls of the high school and uh, um, around practices and track meets and football games and all that kind of stuff. Oh,
0: that's very cool. So with that like very uh, like multidimensional athletic, athletic background, a. What role do you think that played in helping you as a football player? But then, my B. My second question there is, you had mentioned you had varying degrees of success between sports. Would you mind speaking to that a little bit for the younger viewers on how um, you can have a secondary or a tertiary sport that you might not be the superstar at, but could be very, very uh, beneficial to your future athletic career?
1: Yeah, um, I, I guess two two things there. I one one thing I, I, I don't think it's it's always got to necessarily do with um, helping you become a better a better football player as, as a young kid I was I was never I never even thought I was gonna be playing university football let alone coaching um, at that level or anything like that I was just out there trying to find ways to have uh, have fun with my friends and the guys and girls that I was hanging out with were on the track team wanted to play football um, I was pushed a little bit into that kind of stuff um, by my parents, like I said, kind of being around that kind of stuff, but, um, never, never like forced into that stuff, but it was, it was never, um, from my perspective, it was never with, uh, the, the object of becoming a better athlete or becoming a better football player with any of those kind of long-term goals in, in mind, it was always just to kind of, um, it was something I enjoyed doing. Uh, and yeah, have fun hanging out with my friends and then kind of towards more towards the end of my, uh, high school career. That's when I started kind of thinking, um, that this was maybe something that I could take, uh, a little bit further, but it was, it was never, um, it was never an intentional decision on my part saying that I, I really want to, um, like join this swim team because I think this is going to help my, my future football career later on. Um, that being said, I think those experiences absolutely um, probably benefited my, uh, my development as an athlete um, as, as a whole, even though that might not have been my intention. Um, being exposed to uh, different things like that, I, I don't think is, is ever a bad thing. It, um, you meet different people, you get coached by different people, um, the, the training is different. Uh, and, and at the same time, it's you, like I, I joined the, th- the swim team. Um, I had absolutely no technique and not really any clue what I was doing. Um, it's, it's a humbling experience. You're not, you you, it's, you have a hard time being, um, the big shot, important guy, um, when you're jumping into the swimming pool and just, and trying not to, to sink to the bottom. So in, in, in a lot of ways that, that kept me humble and, um, um, never let my, uh, my ego get too far in front of me.
0: That's a really good piece of advice for the next generation is check the ego. Something I had to work very hard to do. Um, okay. So you you went to high school at Sydenham, correct?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: So can you just talk a little bit about their, their I guess, their track and their football program?
1: Yeah. Well, um, this, this, this is maybe a little bit biased coming from me because, um, like I said, my dad coached uh, football and track there for 30 years. <laughs> Um so I I had a little bit more appreciation than most for uh the history of of both of those programs but um both the football and track programs at at Sydenham have been have been quite strong for well the last 50 years now. Um and the the I guess I I could talk about the track team the track team first. Um the the woman who coaches the track team now there is her name is Leslie Lawler. She's a she's a teacher at the school. Uh, she's been one of, apart from my parents, and uh, my brother, probably one of the biggest influences on my, um, on my life, regardless of athletic, academic, anything like that. Uh, I had her as a teacher and, and as a coach in track. Um, she instilled in us uh, right from the start, right from kind of grade nine, it was always billed as a um, not a, a, a super highly competitive um, atmosphere. It was, again, we, we were there to have fun, um, do something with our friends um, and, and, and enjoy ourselves. And what that meant was that there was a huge buy-in from the school. So our track teams, even though um, we, our, our, our population was much lower than, than a lot of the bigger schools in town, um, we had the biggest track teams and we found a lot of success at both the, the, the regional level in, in the city um, when we would, we would do the, the track meets against uh, other schools from Kingston and at the provincial level. Um, the track team was incredibly uh, successful. But again, it didn't come as a... Uh, it, that success didn't come from a, um, a, a perspective of being designed to have these elite, highly highly competitive and highly effective, um, relay teams and hurdlers and, uh, distance runners. It came from just, um, we're going to try to get as many, she, she tried to get as many people involved in the school as she could. And when that happens, um, and, and as a team, we were, we were really good about supporting each other and, um, kind of having more of a, a, of a team mindset rather than even though track is more of an individual sport. Um, it was always a team mindset around that, uh, around that team. Um, and and like I said, have had that, that school has had incredible success over the last 50 years at, um, at the provincial level. Uh, and so there's, there's definitely something to be said for, um, for how, how, how that program's run and how she continues to, uh, to run that, to run that program. Um, I'm, I'm very grateful for the opportunity she's given me not, and again, you look looking back on it now, whatever, over 10 years now, since I graduated, um, the thing that's, that I've really begun to appreciate um, in that time is that uh, she, she did a, she, uh, obviously an excellent technical coach and was able to get um, some of the, the top notch athletes to perform at provincial levels and win, win medals at the provincial level. Um, but almost more impressive than that was her ability to kind of reach out to um, reach out and engage and um, provide an opportunity for, uh, the athletes who maybe weren't at that level, but still had a, had a great time uh, being on those teams and, and, and supporting, supporting, uh, feeling support from everybody else and, and getting the support themselves. Um, yes. So that's, that's the tracking, like I said, um, pretty impressive. Uh, the, their ability to perform on the, on the provincial level comparing um, population of the school. Uh, and and that's continued on since back when way back when my dad was coaching in the seventies to, Um, how how it is now. Um, Football team was uh, fairly similar. Um, We had a couple really, really good coaches um, who invested a lot of time in us as we were growing up. There was a uh, spring football league, the first year that Sydenham ran its own spring football league that has now um, kind of evolved over the years and is now involved in the Thousand Thousand Islands Minor Football uh, League. But uh, again, this would have been probably fifteen years ago. Now it started as just a Sydney League with four teams, and that that took a a ton of effort on those coaches' parts. Um, and that was that was a great opportunity for um, for the the local Sydenham kids, who again maybe didn't have the, those opportunities before that. So so that started when I was in grade eight. Um, so we were given given that opportunity, and then that whole cohort of the guys that I. Uh, played with and grew up with and ended up becoming still to this day, really, really good friends with um, started playing together in grade eight and uh, kind of made our way through high school uh, with again, varying degrees of su- success. We started out um, not still so hot in grade nine, uh, grade 10. We actually had an undefeated, an undefeated season and got upset in the, in the playoffs. And then uh, in grade 11 and 12, we were always kind of middle of the pack. And then, um in, in my fifth year, I went back from, for my fifth year uh, for a couple of different reasons, but there was there was a huge uh, group of us that all went back because we, we kind of said that we'd, we'd invest all this time. We really wanted to go back and have another crack at winning a championship uh, together uh, and uh, ended up making that happen. We won the, um, in, in my fifth year, we won the uh, city championship, the Casa championship, uh, and then went on to uh, beat. St. Joe's, I think, was after that, and then went on. Uh, we upset. Uh, I, sorry, St. Joe's was up from um, uh, Ottawa, or sorry, St. St. Pete's in Ottawa. Upset St. Pete's. Uh, they had a couple guys who went on to play in the NCAA. Um, so we were we were big time underdogs going into that game. They ended up beating them and, and getting to uh, to go down and play in the skydome for offset, which was um, pretty pretty awesome for for the that guys.
0: I think you would have played against Eli Elianku when he was at St. Joe's.
1: Yeah, we played against Eli, uh and I forget the other there was uh he he was he was the running back. My god, it was not fun to tackle, try to tackle him. Um there there was a couple other like huge, huge guys uh on that team. They were they were a real powerhouse and we we yeah, snuck it out in the in the fourth quarter. Um on a on a wind swept days of like 30, 40-kilometer-hour winds up on on Mento Field. That was a lot of fun, though.
0: Sounds like a blast. So um, thank you for that. I just want to quickly switch gears. So as you were entering your grade 12, I guess, and then also your your grade 13 season there at Sydenham, when did the recruiting process uh, kind of start to heat up for you? (laughs)
1: Uh, I I don't know if you ever seen the recruiting process heated up, um, for, for me anyway. Uh, I, I was, uh, again, like I said, my, when I was growing up, I, I wanted to kind of follow my dad's footsteps a little bit. Um, I had always seen myself as, uh, being a high school teacher and a high school football coach. Uh, and then kind of thoughts started to creep into the back of my head as I, um, again, got further and further towards the end of high school of maybe I want to, uh, see what I can do, uh, at the university level. And worst case, it, it doesn't work out, and that's fine. I can still I can I can come back and uh, and and coach after that. Um, I guess it would it would probably have started for me uh, in grade twelve when I was able to. That was the year again. My dad started up the uh, or restarted the uh, Limestone Grenadiers football club, which is now the, right. the Junior Gales. Um, and that was that was our first opportunity to kind of um, play at, at a higher level and uh, see how we would, um, I, I guess, test ourselves and see how the, the city of Kingston stacked up football wise against um, some of the bigger powerhouses up in Ottawa or the GTA um, or or down in London has a, had a really good team. Um so, yeah, again, I, I was by no means uh, the best player on the team. So it was never the, the scouts or university coaches or anything coming to, to watch me. Um, I, would, I would be lucky if they noticed me at all. Um, so I, I, I had to do a lot of the, uh, that recruiting process on my own, which meant um, collecting what little film we had available to us at the time. Um, we were lucky with Grenadiers that all our games were filmed. Um, but with Sydenham, Um, it was, it was kind of hit or miss. Some games were filmed and some games weren't. Um, so there was a little bit of leg, leg work on my, on my own part in terms of collecting film, putting together a highlight tape, uh, and then, um, self-advocating for myself enough to, to reach out to different coaches and, and, and send that, send that film off. Um, and then I, yeah, so that probably, that probably started for me kind of that summer in between grade 12 and fifth year, which now would be unheard of for uh, for guys to spend that that much or be that late in the in the recruiting process. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I it was like I, I had Concordia University um, that I had reached again. I had reached out to, had no idea who I was, and sent them off my film, and um, was lucky enough that one of their uh, recruiters was in the area for one of our high school games, and he swung by um and i got to talk to him a little bit after the game um but the vast majority of that quote-unquote recruiting process was was um initiated and and done by me it was it was never there was no no team in the country was out scouring um or, or hunting down the chris shibleys of the world to find them to try to get them on their team
0: if you had one piece of advice to give to the next generation about recruiting, what would it be in
1: the process of recruiting? Oh, the process of recruiting. Um, that's a tough one. I think I, I always when I whenever I'm recruiting guys now as as I'm I'm coaching uh, the the one question that I always ask them um, not not necessarily right right after I've met them but kind of before we get too far into the recruiting process is Do you, do you like playing football or do you like being recruited? Do you like the actual football itself or do you like the process of, or the idea of playing football more than playing football itself? Um, again, I'm, I'm going to sound like an old, old guy here when I say that how, how much that recruiting process has changed since, uh, you and I were coming up. Um, but I, I think it, it holds a lot of truth. Um, now with with Twitter and, and film and guys are doing seven-on-seven seven stuff and you, you've got um, instant access to coaches and instant access to um, training and all that kind of stuff. Um, what I tend to see now is a lot of like just guys clout chasing, right? Like you're, you're on Twitter, you're on Instagram. Um, they like the idea of um, – getting contacted by schools or or getting scholarship offers or getting sent on visits or or anything just so that they can say they had those opportunities yeah. um and can post about it on twitter and post about it on instagram and and I, snapchat and whatever else
0: go ahead i see i see so many kids on twitter and I, I mean good kids i don't even know if they understand the optics of what they're doing but Anytime a coach texts them or has a Zoom call with them or whatever, they're just thank you for the thank you for the offer, thank you for the Zoom call. And I think I personally think that recruiting is, is more of a, a private, personal process that you should do with your your family and your closest friends. And it's not something that you necessarily should be just like as you call it, clout chasing on on social media because it it's gonna you you went through it, I went through it. You, those guys get weeded out fast, and then it becomes a whole different. You know, process when you get to university when you're like, oh, wow, maybe I'm not playing because I love this sport or I like competition. Maybe it was for the notoriety and the jackets and and, and the attention. So that is definitely a huge problem. But I do think it's it's getting better with the streamlined uh, recruiting that you're talking about.
1: Yeah. And and again, it's by no means am I saying like, you don't need to be proud of those, of those things. Like coaches taking interest in you or getting a scholarship offer. Those are, those are, those are achievements and things that you should be proud about. Um, But it's again, is that, is the priority getting those, um, getting those things or is it um, furthering yourself and, and defining what, i I guess it's yeah it it comes down to what does success look like for you and for some guys success looks like likes and comments and retweets on twitter and instagram and for some guys the success comes down to um uh kind of more uh real things i guess in in my opinion like the the stuff that goes on on the field and 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 what does your success look like there versus what does it look like on on social media um but I, yeah, I, I think we it, it comes down to, um, it, it it speaks to I guess a larger issue that I see a lot too, which is the the whole the whole idea of, um, process versus product, right? Which is, um, when your when your your eyes are locked on the the goal, what's whatever it is for you that's sitting on top of the mountain that you're working towards, um. You you tend to forget about the little things that you need to do to get you there, um, and you hear like it, th- this isn't something revolutionary or new. You hear quote, like some of the most successful coaches all the time talk about it. Nick Saban down in Alabama, Bill Belichick, talking about the process versus um, versus the results. When you focus on the process, the little things. Um, when you take care of the little things. Um, the what are you doing in the weight room, what are you doing in the classroom, Um, the day-to-day, how can you get better in this practice, what can you take away from this film session, Um, what information can you get from this coach who you're having this conversation with. Um, When you take care of those little things, the big things tend to fall into place, whereas if you're, you're operating the other way, where you're just, you're constantly saying, okay, this is what I want, I want a scholarship, or I want um, to be a starter on this team. Um, you tend to lose sight of the little things that you need to do to get there, which is, um, which, which makes it a lot tougher. Again, not, not impossible, but, um, when you're more, more focused on that, on, on that, um, the, the product rather than the process, it uh, leaves more room for things like, uh, doubt and your insecurity and to be yeah. knocked down by a by a little defeat it leaves at least uh more room for things like that to, to seep in absolutely absolutely
0: we could talk about that forever and then the flip side of that is somebody who commits to the process wholeheartedly and continues to fail can still hold their head high you know what i mean so it goes both ways um whereas whereas some people who are as you're saying focusing on the result not the process they might win, but they might not feel that, that uh, reward that you expect to win at the end, at the top of the mountain. So that's a really good point. Um, what's your favorite yeah, well, football? I, I also, I
1: also, I also, think, sorry, no, I, yeah, I was just gonna say, I think that also speaks to um, like, again, we could, I could spend an hour talking about just the idea of of failure and what that means, right? Like if you're, you're saying, um, I, a failure happens in when you're focused on the process and, and a failure happens, you can still, you can still be able to ha- hold your, hold your head high. I, I would say if you're, if you're focused on the process, even things that from the outside, um, look like failures. Um, so whatever, you lost a game or you had a crappy workout or, or whatever are still opportunities for success. Mm-hmm. Um, those failures, again, something you—it's cliche because you hear it all the time. Um, but those those failures provide the greatest opportunities for growth and learning and development. Um, but it's it's cliche for reason. It's it's totally true. So again, if you're if you're focused on the product at the, you're, you're focused on the finish line at the end. Any small little stumble, it's really hard to see that uh, in a different light other than as a failure right? If you lost a game and if we're working towards the championship and you lose a game, it's really hard to see that as anything other than a loss. Whereas if you're focused on the process, um, you take that loss and say, okay, sure, we lost. That doesn't necessarily um, help us directly get towards this championship that we're trying to get. Um, But what are the things that we can take away from this that are positive? What are the things that we can learn um, what, did, what did we learn from this? What did this, uh, this experience teach us? Um, which again, um, is, is far, far, far more valuable than, than coasting through and, and winning everything and having success success in everything you do, only to fall uh, when you're, you're a couple steps away from the, the mountaintop.
0: I think that's a really good point. I think you hit that on the head. Yeah, I don't need to weigh in there. That's a great piece of advice for the young listeners. Um, but, you, you know, you've played a lot of football from Kingston to St. FX to your stint overseas. So what's your favorite football moment as a player?
1: Man, that's tough. That's tough. Um, as, as a player, I would say um, the yeah, there's, there's a couple that jump out. Um, in high school, when we were able to, uh, in, in my fifth year with that group of guys that I become so close with over the last five years, when we were able to, um, finally get over the hump, like we had never had success really, um, as a group. And we were finally able to, able to get over that hump, um, in our last year and win that city championship and then, and make it onto off. So after winning a couple more games to be able to do that with that, that was the first time I ever got to play with my brother on the same team. So we kind of, we got to share that experience. Um, my dad was around at every game watching all the stuff. So that was, that was really cool to see something, a program that he had spent so much time building and, um, that I had spent so much time as a kid on the sideline, filling water bottles or just running around being an idiot at practice. Um, when I was four, five, six, seven, eight years old, um, to be able to do that was, was pretty special. Um, if I had to pick just one, that would probably be it. There's like other, other ones that jump out at me are like the first time I got to dress at St. Effect's. Um, mom and dad and Jay were able to, to fly down and be there for that game. That was pretty cool. Um, again, being able to share, share that experience with my, with my family. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was, that was, um, pretty awesome. Uh, the first time, uh, first time I, I suited up over in, in Europe and, and, uh, ran out on the field and was playing American rules and, um, in a country I didn't speak the language language and and didn't know anything it was it was liberating and freeing in a lot of ways because I just it felt like I was again going back to I'd spent a lot of time in the the high pressure environment of university sport um and to just be able to kind of run out on the field and just not really um I don't know if not care is is the right word but it was it felt like there was a weight lifted off my shoulders when I was playing and I was just able to go out and and have fun and, and nothing else really mattered I could just go out and um, almost back to your roots, right? You're just out there and, and, and enjoying the sport and being able to play with a bunch of guys. So yeah, between the three of those, I would probably say my, my, my high school one was number one. But I mean, yeah, looking back on it now, I, I, I think about it's the little ones that stand out. It's like the, the practice and the weight room and the time at meal hall in between, in between film and, and practice. And all, all the little things are, um, are, are things that stand out as well.
0: And I think to, to to add to your point there about playing your first professional game and, and kind of play, like just playing freely. I think a lot of us, and I'm, I don't want to speak for you, but I'll speak for myself. I think a lot of us, when we get to the university level and we watch some of the older people, uh, the vets go, you know, East, West, and they get drafted, it kind of plants a seed in your mind that, okay, this is what we're supposed to be chasing. And I got caught up in that myself. There was a lot of times where, um, you know, I was so focused on the, you know, I'm going to be able to put this number up at the combine and this number up the combine, so I'll at least get a chance, and I think the fact that you actually got to go play at the next level, um, it was probably so freeing because you weren't necessarily worried, and you can speak to this if I'm wrong, but you probably weren't as worried about what the people in the stands were thinking, and maybe it was because of the language barrier. You were just kind of commuting, communicating through football.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think like I I have always thought of myself as a pretty low ego guy, um, but, but yeah, I, I, I even I got caught up, especially kind of in my my first and second, well, even later on in, in university, I, I when I when I went into to playing university football, I went in with the bar set pretty much as low as it can as it could have gotten. Um, I was I was just happy to be there on the team um I didn't want to get cut. I wanted to hang around for as long as I wanted and I kind of saw it as okay, this is an experience that's going to help me um later on. I want to coach um high school football. I want to be a good high, high school football coach, so whatever experience I can get out of university football, whether that's just a training camp and then they want to cut me or um a season on the practice squad or 4 years on the practice squad, um I was happy with whatever I could get. And within within whatever, a couple months of being there, um, you, you gain a little bit more confidence. You start to see that I, I, I belong there and I could compete there. Um, and yeah, and then it it starts to cut, you start to get those other thoughts in your head of what, okay, I, I, I didn't get cut after training camp. I'm going to be, um, can I work my way off the, off the practice squad here? Can I, can I get some, get some playing time or get, get dressing at least, um, and yeah, it, it, in some ways, that's a very powerful motivator. And it can, um, it, it, it's a good thing to, to drive you. But again, right away, um, you hear the way I'm talking about it. I was immediately focused on um, the outcome, the goal, okay, I want to dress now I've accomplished this goal. Now my next goal is I want to I want to dress. And um, yeah, it, it does it does all kinds of bad things to your psyche. It um, it, uh, yeah, not, not only starts to add, um, not, not good pressure. It it starts to add bad pressure. So you're putting all these expectations on yourself rather than focusing on the things that are actually under your control. Um, so you, your, your emotions are, are directly linked to the success you can have, um, on the football field and, sometimes that's, that's not a, not a great place to be. Um, so yeah, I, I think going from, again, that environment where it was high pressure, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself. There were goals that I want, why I wanted to accomplish, not necessarily getting to the combine or, or playing professionally or anything like that, but goals I had for myself. And when you don't accomplish those goals, um, it's, it's quite devastating. So to be able to go from that to a couple months later, um, back to, uh, playing football for the fun of it. And again, still working my butt off to try to win games and, and, and have, have good games, um, myself personally and us as a team. But, um, it was, yeah, like I said, it's, it's hard to describe, but it was freeing in a lot of ways because it went, it was back to more, the main reason I was out there was to, was to enjoy myself and have fun and everything else was just uh, gravy.
0: That's awesome. And the last thing I have for you here Shibley is if if you had a take home message for the next generation of athletes who are, are trying to do similar things to what you've what you've been able to accomplish and, and then some what what would your take home message be
1: uh, yeah. <laughs> one take home message um I would say i don't know i I feel like we've we've touched on we've touched on a lot of different things I think um One, one thing that I've come back to, and this is um, a lot of it is um, just kind of reworking my own thinking because of the pandemic, but I think um, it's transferable to football, to young athletes, to, um, to all kinds of people is just keeping things in perspective, Um, looking after, uh, look, looking for the, looking for the silver linings in, in, in everything you do. So, um, again, if you're, if you're a young kid, you're playing high school, you're playing community ball or, or whatever, um, whether you're the the best player on your team and everything's, everything's going well and you're, you're doing well in the classroom and you're doing, you're doing well in, in the weight room, um, or you're just somebody out there, uh, little five foot nothing me when I was, when I was back playing, um, th- whether it's positive or negative, um, Things that are things that are in your life right now, um, for the most part, aren't going to make uh, as big of a difference uh, as you think they will later on, uh, later on down the road in your life. So again, just find find the silver linings, um, and 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 enjoy it, enjoy it while you got it, because uh, yeah, it, it, it doesn't last forever. So um, yeah, just take, take control of the things that you can control and, uh, and, and go from there because yeah, if, if you're, if you're always, if you're always pushing towards this, um, this giant goal at the top of the mountain, um, you lose track of, uh, the, like I said, not, not only are you less likely to get there because you're losing track of the small things that makes things that make you successful, um, in trying to reach that goal, but, um, you're also probably not going to enjoy yourself as much along the road. So, um, don't sweat the little stuff. And most of the things that you encounter in your life are, uh, are, are little things. There's very few other than, um, kind of relationships in your family and and your personal life. Um, everything else is, is small peanuts compared to that. So.
0: For sure. And I think that's a great piece of advice to leave the kids on today. So, uh, this was season three, episode eleven of Athletic Insights. Chris, thank you so much for your time, and I hope for both of our sakes we get to, to get to play some football this summer or this fall.
1: Yeah, that'd be that'd be good. Thanks for having and me. No
0: problem, and we'll do this again sometime. We're out.
1: Absolutely.